What was the name of the college football team that Donald Trump invited to the White House to eat hamburgers with? Who gives a shit? This is Game Shows, I suppose. Buddy, and welcome to this niche podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. We have survived the new year, it's 2020, and I figure the new year is not over yet. We've already talked, I already did the most requested game show of last year. Now I'm going to do the one that is like the New Year's episode, because we'll be talking about the big New Year's game show that is the big fat quiz of the year with Rocco just a bit later. Um, But before we get to that, like we do every episode, we have to get through the news. I'm in love with the Jeopardy greatest of all time tournament. Have you been seeing this? Most likely not, but trust me, this is like one of the greatest things I have seen in the history of game shows. Now, like, whenever we see, like, a tournament of champions kind of thing, yeah, it's fun when it's Jeopardy. You don't really see it with any other game show in America. There's not one for, like, Wheel of Fortune. Sometimes there's, like, a family feud gimmick with, like, Steve Harvey's favorites. But you never see it with, like, The Price is Right or Let's Make a Deal, except for maybe, like, Zonk Redemptions. You never really see returning contestants. But with Jeopardy, Grace of all time, it is the three best players. And to me... This is like the equivalent of any sports championship game. The, the, the Jeopardy Grace of all time is even bigger than a regular tournament of champions. This is like the NBA Finals. This is like the Super Bowl. This is like the World Series. All rolled into one. I guess you can say Stanley Cup. Uh, the Premier League Finals, where it is just the three greatest players of this one game playing a series of, of Jeopardy rounds to try to win a million dollars. And the questions, I'm sorry, the clues slash answers were really challenging in the first episode. And it really even got me stumped on some of them. But these were superior level questions for a tournament on something on ABC. And it was like, to me, this is what constitutes as one of the great game shows this is why jeopardy is the ambassador for game shows it's not just me talking about it. it's sports broadcasters it's it's mainstream press even though current events uh is scary right now if uh impending wars and impeachment trials and all this doom and gloom sometimes when you see a jeopardy news it, it does put a smile on my face and makes me kind of a little bit more at ease that I'm glad that people who I don't normally see as game show fans are talking about the Jeopardy tournament. And I love that. And please watch a Jeopardy Grace of All Time tournament. Even if you've never seen Jeopardy before in your life, you will feel either really stupid or really smart when you get some of these uh, clues correct. 
there really isn't that much uh, television game show events these days, so I'm kind of pleased for that to happen. Also, because this is a game show news segment, uh, Pat Sajak's daughter fills in for for let, as a letter turner because Vanna's hosting Wheel, and this was the third week. So when Pat was you know rehabbing for a bit there, they decided it would be fun if they got Maggie Sajak to be the letter turner while Vanna hosted. So I thought that was kind of nice. Uh, She just turned 25, apparently, on Sunday. So she just was 24 when the episodes were taped. And I thought, okay, this was nice. This was a nice kind of thing. When they did the promotion stone, it's like, you know, say Jack and White work together. I thought that was just hokey. But I'll say Maggie was was a good person who touched the screen for a bit there. That was nice. And she does have a great personality in the end uh, segments when they have to do a little bit of bantering before the sign-off. So it it works for me, but it still feels a little too produced in in my mind. I think that's kind of where I'm also kind of just like a little flubbered by what's going on with Wheel of Fortune. It always feels like a... Hey, remember Wheel of Fortune? Well, here's a clip from 1997. Or, hey, if you remember Wheel of Fortune from 2003, you will know this puzzle. It's just, it just feels a little old-timey for that. But Phantom was good, and Maggie was good, and, you know, this week of shows has been not that bad, actually. I, what I like about the Vanna-hosted shows is that she's trying to introduce the audience as to how the game works, as she's learning it on her own as well. So if you're new to Wheel of Fortune, these weeks are kind of the good weeks for you to watch. Everything else, you're just going to hear Pat go, yeah, I guess we're in round two, so you know what that means. Go ahead, spin the wheel. And you're just like, what? You haven't told me what round two is. Come on, Pat. Is it the express wedge round? Is it is it a jackpot round? Is it a prize puzzle? Tell me. What's going on, Pat? I'll, I'll spin. <laughs> Anyway, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the news segment, me reading press releases. Yay. Well, it's back, folks. Press releases. Deadline. The Masked Singer, Fox, will turn a boss on format tweaks and expanded season three and more guest judges. That's right. They're adding more to The Masked Singer because, of course, they would. So, uh... We've had a lot more guest judges. Fox Alternative Entertainment Rob Wade told Deadline during TCA. This includes Leah Romini. Oh, well, at least we're escaping Scientology. And Jason Biggs, star of Outmatched, coming to Fox, who've already filmed their episodes. It's one of the several tweaks planned for the upcoming season, which will feature four more hour-long episodes than season two, which stretches it for four more weeks. Way to elaborate on a format change. Unique to the Masked Singer Worldwide franchise were the 18 celebrities start divided up into three groups. To create a story arc, we do three groups of six, so it's more palatable for the viewers. He said, each group will take turns whittling down contestants one by one until three remain. The nine then will come together for a big two-hour Super Nine special. And then the show continues in a normal pattern, Wade said. Fox and the producers learned a lot from the casting of NBA player Victor Oladipo in season two, Wade said. He's not the biggest household name, but the fact that he had a voice and he had a story, viewers reacted to that. The experience informed how season three was casted. The pool of contestants includes people you know that have surprising voices and just people you know very well. 
Wade also discussed a new element in the Clues package, which will be introduced this coming season. In the third show in each group, we get the celebrities' relations, relatives or friends, to put on masks and talk about them. That's how you get clues, Wade said. It adds to the fun and absurdity of the mask singer. It's a small detail, but it works. As previously revealed, Season 3 will introduce new custom-made costumes for the disguised celebrity singers, including the robot, the frog, the banana, the mouse, Miss Monster, and the llama, among others. Still hosted by Nick Cannon. It's the number one show. Also, Fox is developing Korean mystery music game show I Can See Your Voice as Network Eyes Bigger Entertainment Bets. Uh, I Can See Your Voice is a bigger, broader format. It's a pilot, a U.S. adaptation, which hails from uh, Korea's CJENM, the company behind Better Late Than Never. It was fronted by Ken Jeong and comes on the back of the Masked Singer. So Ken Jeong gets to host another show. Good job, Dr. Ken. I Can See Your Voice, which is created by Lee Sean Young, sees a pop star try and guess the skilled vocalists from the tone-deaf singers without hearing them sing. With the help of a tone-deaf detective team, they must eliminate one or two singers in each round before performing on the Stage of Truth with the star. If the final singer can hold the tune, they will receive a special reward. But if the final mystery singer is tone-deaf, they will receive a cash prize. Fox is in early development of the project, and Wade, president of Alternative Special, said Tuesday at TCA he was really excited about the show. It was not one out of a number of out-of-the-box ideas being developed by Fox. He's been working with Studio One uh, and INTV's Claudia Rosencrantz and Adrian Wolf on a show called Dancing with Horses, an equine competition format described as Dancing on Ice with Horses. Fucking Hey, Jesus Christ. Elsewhere, Wade said the Fox was also looking at a new project from Gordon Ramsay, because of course, of course he could have a Gordon Ramsay show. It's Fox. God fucking shit, this day sucks. The British celebrity chef, who is 24 hours to hell and back, returns for a third season tonight on Fox, pilot a show with the working title of Step Up to the Plate. Jesus fucking Christ. Now, did the title come before the format, or was it the other way around? Like, oh, we can use the, you know, plate can mean like the baseball plate, or it can mean like a plate of food for BBC that Fox was now looking at. The show, which has been described as Shark Tank meets Million Pound Menu, sees Ramsey mentor the next food superstar. There's always room for Gordon shows. He's proved that his networks work on Fox, and he's had a lot of success here, and he's now built up his team in the U.S. and U.K., so we are getting pitched by them. Uh, isn't this the same, like, place that gave us, like, the F-word, and then that flopped? I kind of remember, this was the F-word channel, right? Or what about the uh, Cook Along Live special? Remember the Cook Along Live? Maybe they're not all winners, Fox guy. I don't know. Maybe stick with MasterChef. That seems to be his real specialty here because he kind of adds a, this kind of element of, of, of like expertise, as it were. Uh, Wade added that he wants ideas to have the potential to feel big. What broadcast is missing at the moment is bigger, broader shows, and I want to find that, he told Deadline. Well, if you want bigger, broader, I mean, like that is definitely the Fox brand. That is the quote-unquote, so bold, so Fox. Because you do have MasterChef. You do have uh, Lego Masters coming soon. Flirty Dancing, which we'll review later. 
And like, I, I, I don't know, like, what other shows can you really like do? It feels like this was like Shark Tank should have felt like a Fox show, but instead, no, it didn't happen. I don't wonder what a Great British Bake Off from from Fox would be compared to an ABC. I don't know if some of this feels just feels a little like you know unsanitary in my mind, but it's Fox. So when I when it comes to like a a reality television, it kind of made that the brand. So you know, I'm I'm kind of okay, maybe sure. I I also see the Gordon Ramsay show, the Gordon Ramsay uh step up to the plate. Not gonna see Dancing with Horses, that's for sure. Uh, next, oh for fuck's sake. I'm so sorry, folks. The Mask Dancer. Fox partners with Ellen DeGeneres on the Mask Singer spinoff. They have to fucking have Ellen. This is like, this is just, I'm in hell. I am in hell. Like, we, like, Ellen doesn't have enough shows already. She has a daytime talk show. She has Game of Games. You know, we need to have another Ellen for, for him. What about Lil Ellen on Apple TV Plus? Remember Lil Ellen? Or was that HBO Go? Who gives a shit anymore? It's Ellen gets to do more shows. Yay! More Ellen. I just, I think, I look, I don't have any animosity towards Ellen. I think she's a talented uh, entertainer. She's a very funny comedian. Uh, she is one of the best daytime talk show hosts ever. But to me, I feel like whenever I hear her name now, it just feels like, Oh, she's going to be overworked, or she's just lending her name for a cash out. Like this is—I don't feel like this is going to be an Ellen show, unless she's hosting the Mask Dancer. And I can only assume. Oh, what if the like you get the costume people to dance, which I will say can't fucking work as a format because depending on the costumes, you might not have that much uh, arm movement to do a dance, unless everyone's in like a lycra suit to break dance. Well, let me just read the press release here from De- from Deadline. The mass Singer has waltzed off. Fuck, fuck, fuck off. With a spinoff after Fox teamed with Ellen DeGeneres to produce the mass Dancer. It's Ellen. Can she do like you like a revival of This Is Your Life? If this was Ellen, like or one of those like I saw that giveaway show she did on Christmas, and I thought that was a great show. Why can't she just do that as the show? I would love to say like an Ellen DeGeneres giveaway show because that feels like a like Ellen DeGeneres kind of branded content that would work. But here we go. It's the team of Ellen to produce the mass dancer. The broadcasters ordered the series based on a popular segment on the Ellen show. Of course it will because it's Ellen and she has to own the brands and then sell it because it's like lip sync battle or carpool karaoke or any of these things. <sighs> she did it because of the mass singer success. <laughs> Remember when she did that bootleg hole in the wall game in like the first couple of seasons? Never mind. Um, where the talk show hosts and guests must guess the. Okay, so Ellen's going to be on board. Okay. Never mind, I'm fine. Maybe she'll overwork herself again. Uh, the talk shows and guests must guess the celebrity, uh, the identity of a celebrity dancer, more than just a nod to the Fox hit. It's produced by Fox Alternative and Warner Brothers. The comedian has previously joked about not being sued yet over the segment. So it's like The Choice. Remember when Fox did The Choice, that dating show that was with the voice chairs and you got the... Pl- I never... This... <sighs> 
Why don't you just reboot uh, Masquerade Party instead? A Masquerade Party with, was also with masks, and celebrities have to guess who they are. The guessing game with DeGeneres and her DJ Twitch has featured celebrities such as Howie Mandel, Sean Hayes, Derek Huff, and Colton Underwood, as well as the masked singer panelist Ken Jeong. In the format, celebrity contestants will perform unique dances while covered from head to toe in elaborate costumes and face masks, leaving audiences to guess their identities. It comes as the Masked Singer is gearing up for the third season. Blah, 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 blah. King of Masked Singer. Well, this is like an original attempt at it. <sighs> and I mentioned I've seen the Masked Dancer segment on Ellen, and like, it's okay, but it's like, what they do is they basically put like one of those like mascot heads on somebody and then like put them in like a weird, funny, like David Pumpkin suit and have them dance. And that's kind of what amounts to the Masked Singer kind of format on the show and yeah fine it's fine that they dance because ellen's whole stick is dancing even though i think she doesn't want to dance anymore <laughs> something tells me ellen doesn't want to dance anymore but uh that's that's congratulations ellen it's your brand now you have to be the dancer i've seen your netflix special i know what's up uh, but <sighs> i'm not feeling this one I, I to me i feel like after seeing flirty dancing do i need another dancing show i mean there is going to be another season of so you think you can dance with cat dealy in the summer and just like i don't know it all feels like a little too many dancing shows well if it's not singing it's dancing and i just i feel like i i'm just i can't i'm getting frustrated by all this again because then that means netflix is going to have america's best family dance game and then you're going to have like a, a dance show with dancers behind chairs and all of these spinoffs of dancing. And I just don't want, there's already a Quibi dance show. There's going to be like four of those. And I don't want more dance shows. I want more original. But we got, if it's not a dance show, it's a cook show. And if it's not a cooking show, it's a dance show. If it's not a dance show, it's a singing show. All of these easy, talented things that we don't really have to do much with. And I just, I don't want to see any more of it. I don't. And oh, God damn it. This is just... Maybe it'll be good. You know, it's, it might be good. It's Ellen. It'll be funny and charming. Maybe this will be the, the replacement to Ellen's Game of Games or something. I don't know. But I just... Mm. I'd rather watch The Masked Singer because everyone's on a level playing field and, and like musicians can lose to Oscar-winning actors or something. This just feels like, well, anyone can dance, so it's funny. It kind of loses that one element of The Masked Singer that makes it work. Oh, well. Uh, it could be worse. It could just be like a strip dancing show with celebrities, I guess. And then finally in the news segment, the pressure is on as chefs put their skills to the test in new Food Network series, Chopped Sweets. Scott Conant hosts the series starting Monday, February 3rd. Food Network celebrated Colony Barrel Sweden's The Competition. Fucking asses, fuck off. If a new primetime series, Chop Sweets, premiering February 3rd, hosted by Chop Chush Scott Conant, each episode features four bold chefs competing to take on the toughest test of their lives. Faced with baffling ingredients and an unrelenting clock, these seasonal sugar-savvy chefs must utilize a sweet-themed ingredient within their mystery baskets throughout three rounds to create different dessert iterations to impress Scott and a rotating panel of culinary experts who determine which chef will be chopped and who will achieve sweet success. Fucking 
fuck. I just fucking hate these fucking press releases. You got I have no idea. I like these shows might be fine, but Jesus Christ, this is just ten thousand dollars. Sweet success. <sighs> Chop Sweets takes viewers on a sweet and exhilarating culinary ride, pushing some of the most talented chefs to their limits to create beautifully crafted desserts from eccentric mystery ingredients, said Courtney White, president of Finnar. Scott Conant brings his culinary and judging acumen as host with all the action, making Chop Sweets a welcome addition to the Chop family. In the premiere episode, the chefs find adult beverages in every basket as they must figure out a way to balance booze with pastry perfection. A special beer and a frozen treat are part of the puzzle in the first round, while a potent pop and festive frosting meet in the second basket. In the third and final basket, will the larger-than-life cocktail win over the judges who are thirsting for truly fantastical desserts? Other episode themes will feature the chefs taking on carnival ingredients as they set out to make whimsical desserts and creating miniature sweet concoctions that prove to be delectable little works of art. And see what happens when the chefs learn they have to make breakfast-themed desserts each round with the baskets full of reminders of the most important meal of the day, including a coffee drink, a cleverly designed candy, and waffle dough. I mean... I, I hate these press releases, but I, I feel like this is like the this is finally it. This is like the chop show I want to be a judge on so badly. We talked about that with, with Jack, uh with the chopped episode. Like if there was like a candy one, this is right up my alley. I think this this is it. Uh I know these already were pre recorded, but hey, I now want to root for chop sweets and make a guest like can I make a guest booking? I wanna be a judge on this show. I'm not even kidding. This is like I want to be like one of the judges for Chop Sweets. This feels like my area of expertise in all this. I love cupcakes. I love pastries. I love sweet things. I love candy. I like munch. And this is it. This is the munch. This is the munch I want. I get to enjoy root beer and, and root beer barrels and cotton candy. I get to eat cotton candy. I, I, I'm, I'm Mr. Root Beer and a Steak and a cotton candy. And this is it. This is all of the above for me. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see Chop Sweets and then see it and then get hungry and then just like just pick up some like pick and mix at the candy shop and just be like, yep, that's my that's my life. Oh, well, I guess we should start today's episode. <laughs> December 28th, 2004, saw the beginning of a brand new institution, a new annual event on Channel 4 in the UK. It wasn't just an everyday panel show. At the time, panel shows were kind of familiar on Channel 4. You had things like 8 out of 10 cats. You had things like Would I Lie to You that just debuted. And, of course, things like Mock the Week and Have I Got News for You. Well... With this big fat quiz of the year, it came across as a big event. Because not only was it an hour-long game show, it was two hours long. 
the panel itself was more of a pub quiz format versus one that is typical of a fingers on buzzers answer the question game where everyone can play along at home. American audiences aren't really familiar with that of a, of a panel game show. I mean, maybe if they watched At Midnight a few years ago or that of, uh, I don't know, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. But other than that, n- nothing. There really isn't a panel game show. It's a really distinct uh, a British format, of the, these panel shows. And I think what makes this work is the selection in terms of casting for the comedian uh, comedians to answer these questions and the celebrities as well. Now, when it started in 2004, it really did not know what it wanted to be. And as the years progress, it became more and more ludicrous, more and more silly, and more and more a big celebration of the year than it really needed to be. Even at a time of turmoil, like a Brexit vote, or even in this case, maybe even a Boris Johnson victory, it still saw it as a comedy show that did take some swipes at government issues, as well as the most popular trending celebrities of the time. So for this episode of Game Shows, I suppose we will be taking a look at the quiz game, where if you have a piece of paper and a pen, and you can remember stuff that happened in the last 365 days, 366 if it's this year, you have a, a chance to win a nice trophy. But it's more for the laughs than it is for the prize. It's the Big Fat Quiz of the Year with Rocco. Now let's turn the tables. With me on the line is the writer of How to Write a Book and Make at Least $600, your friend, Rocco. Hello. Rocco Tenalgalo third. I got your book here. I need to make 600 bucks. Are you holding it in your hand? Are you are you feeling the uh, the high-quality paper? I am. I, I have the ISBN number here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's notes for my, for my book on this here. There's... Oh, look at those. There's images. There's real how-to guides image. I'm learning a lot here about Louis Guzman I, as well. I, I, should, hope, I should hope so. Um, but I might oh, want to spoil anything. I don't want to, you know, use this, like, explain the secret sauce here of your book. But uh, for those who have never read How to Write a Book and Make at Least $600, what's the book about? I, it's just that, essentially. Um, you know, I, I it's, it's uh, directives for... For writing your own book and making a, a, a modest sum of money, uh, you have to follow it in order. You have to read the book in order, and you have to follow every single direction to the letter, or else I can't guarantee anything. But uh, so far, um, it has a hundred percent success rate. It's it's got it's got a chapter about an episode of CSI. It's got a uh, it's got a chapter about what to do with the money once you've made it. It's it's a very you know it's comprehensive. We well, gotta be careful because anything after six hundred dollars is taxable income. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is correct. I have learned that the hard way. Uh, <laughs> which I don't think happened when he came up with the book, but I love it. it <laughs> it's also I, it's also very funny and very charming, and just I, I had a blast reading it. So I just want to thank you <laughs> right here on Thanks, air. Man. Thank you. Uh, this, thank you. This is the this is a special. This is like a New Year's episode. This is the big year. It's is twenty twenty. Everyone's excited for the new decade. Uh, and what better way to celebrate? Than, I certainly am. 
than with the yearly British game show known simply as the Big Fat Quiz of the Year. My favorite game show of my, of my life. You are a bit of a nerd when it comes to the Big Fat Quiz of the Year, which I did not know about. So It's just like... It, it, and I don't even watch like the other ones. I just watch Big Fat Quiz of the Year because it's like it's like this thing where I discovered it probably seven or eight years ago, and uh, on YouTube, of course, because we don't live in England and uh, or the UK in general, I guess. And I was just like, wow, like they do this once a year. There's always good guests. I only have to invest like two hours of my time every year into this thing. Honestly, if they charged me twenty dollars for it, I'd probably pay it because I just love it that much. And it's that it's that like rare Shh, don't tell the people at channel for that they might put on yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I should not but uh yes uh so th- the reason it's called the big fat quiz of the year is because of exactly what you said this is a two hour long show that's very lengthy I-, I don't think anyone can really stand two hours of anything game shows let alone my podcast or or a panel quiz show of sorts <laughs> But there is this bit of charm when it comes to Channel 4's way to recap. Now, it's this is the British panel game show format where it's just, you know, here's a trivia question, everyone does a few hiccupy jokes, and then we all laugh along as we learn stuff. But uh, <laughs> I think you nailed it when you said it's all about the guests, and uh, it, it's also a very fascinating format. Uh, the very first year it debuted was in 2004. So nice. this is like 16 years old. Therefore, it is now considered a yearly tradition at this point. And every one of those episodes so I, was presented by Jimmy Carr. Which is, I mean, that's probably a big part of why it's so good, too. Now, Jimmy Carr is a game Politics. show host. <laughs> I don't know Jimmy Carr as a person, but Jimmy Carr is the best game show host. He Well, he actually is a game show host. Uh, so the history of Jimmy yeah, Carr yeah. is... He's a stand-up comedian, like all these people. Uh, he used to work at the Shell uh, Gas Company, uh, and then he quit it to do stand-up really? comedy where it's all these one-liner jokes. Uh, he ended up hosting a few game shows in the UK, such as Your Face or Mine, where uh, basically couples have to figure out who's prettier, your boyfriend or this random person in the audience that has a six-pack. It's real great. Uh, he also <laughs> hosted Distraction, which was a game show on Channel 4 that also came to Comedy Central. Yeah, okay, I remember that. I remember that one. So Comedy he, Central Jimmy Carr show. So that was he only had one, right? He only had that one. That was the one where you know it was the you know, get electrocuted and answer trivia questions or drink hot sauce. And there was like bugs and stuff. It was like kind of fear factor. It was fear like a, factor, but it was trying not to do the gross out. It was trying to do the uh painful because yeah, okay. it's like slight distractions. With the bonus round being like you right. want a car and then you're we're not done yet. For every question you get wrong, we're gonna basically fuck up this car <laughs> so it's like yeah which is incredible so they get a sledgehammer and smash up a windshield or something uh yeah does that guy decides he's gonna host a new year's uh, show on channel four because at the time he did eight out of ten cats which was a panel game show about statistics now what i find fascinating here is did you even look at some of the earlier like ho- like guests the, the contestants um i i probably did a while ago when I looked through that like wiki of all the contestants that have ever been on it. But I think the, f- I think the first year I watched there was, like, I know there's usually an American and it's usually somebody pretty good, but I don't know. Are there some really good guests early on? 
Now, usually there is always like we'll we'll, we'll start with like the like the usuals. Like you'll get um Jonathan Ross, who's kind of like the Jay Leno of British talk shows. Only instead of like cars, he's obsessed with comic books. <laughs> and he sounds like this. Just he cooler. goes, I'm a dude of the wolf. And then you have uh, Noel Felding and Richard Iowati. Uh, Noel Felding, everyone's favorite goth from the Mighty Boosh, who now does the Great British Bake Off, which is funny to me. I love that, that He's like, I love the Mighty Boosh, so that was definitely the first year I watched he was on, and I was like, all right, great. This show's I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> That's exactly it. And then for me, Richard Iowati, because yeah. IT crowd, but also, he's now the host of The Crystal Maze. Uh, oh, is that another show? A game show? Uh, the Crystal Maze is one of my favorite British game shows. I talked about it in the Fort Boyard episode. It's essentially a game show, which, by the way, is going to be airing in, I think, a couple weeks, hosted by Adam Conover for America. <laughs> That's how soon this is. Where it's teams have to go through four different like set dressings, such as a Space World, a Aztec Jungle a uh, warehouse and then i guess now like a like an eastern temple kind of thing and play various games okay. they're like physical challenges or mental puzzles to win little crystals so they can go into a cash grab machine and it's, it's very Sounds thrilling I, I it's one of those great ones so richard iwati is the new host of that and i to me though that's like you got the trifecta there you got those three then you just can go through and bullshit around and get your two stand-ups like david walliams or rob Ryden. um but no what i found fascinating is some of the like early on you had people like simon Pegg before he became a big shot oh no kidding oh and the and then the year after 2005 was my favorite year because that was the year gordon ramsay was a contestant and watch these you got if there's a way to find the 2005 big fat quiz of the year with gordon ramsay it was mwah. That's like just just a big chef kiss of good. Uh, And then they had like Charlie Brooker in 2009, right before Black Mirror ended up being like a huge success, by the way. Right. Uh, And then they had Eddie Izzard. uh, And then later on, they had Christian Schaal. (laughs) Christian Schaal was the one. So what what year was that? That was 2013. So that must be the first year I watched, 2013, because Kristen Shaw was that was the first one I remember. It was Jack and Whitehall, then I think like Jonathan Ross, Dara O'Brien, Kristen Shaw, Richard Awadi, Noel Felding. Yeah, okay, that was it then for sure, because Richard and Noel Ron and Kristen Shaw. So that 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 got me into this show. Uh, then I mean, like then there was one year where there was a bit of trouble with Jimmy Carr. Uh, he didn't pay his taxes, so uh, there was a bit of a problem. But yeah, he still hosted and just became a big uh, joke for a good. And there was chunk. jokes about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we go into like later on. So you had it. Then essentially just went on to just like the yearly third team is Noel Felding and Richard Iowati for success, in my opinion. Which is the I will success? Be very disappointed when they don't show up on the show. It's, it's, I think that's the yearly tradition now. So if you've never seen the Big Fat Quiz of the Year, and let's face it, most of you haven't, unfortunately. Uh, it is a, I guess you can say a quiz show? There's no, like, buzzers. Everyone gets to draw like it's a pub quiz. Uh, um, the, the Final Jeopardy or whatever, right? Yeah, like a Final Jeopardy telestrator. Uh, and originally, it was, like, every round was based off different months so january february march april may june july august 
and that became a little tedious and uh, frankly i'm guessing a little boring uh that they decided to vamp yeah, the it format up now is good. to the better format which is each category is something in pop culture so the movies of 2020 like 20 or the television shows of 2020 the music of 2020 the big news events the newsmakers <laughs> And it's all, I will say, simple questions. Like, if you vaguely remember it, you shouldn't have a problem. Like, like, Mostly, I think it's a lot of it's just an excuse to get the jokes out. So it's stuff that's sort of, but then there's, there's stuff that clearly these people don't know. And obviously, I mean, we're going to know less, at least speaking for myself. I know a little bit less because some of it is UK-centric. A lot of UK but, uh, uh, politics. So a lot of Boris Johnson, yeah, Theresa yeah. May. Uh, hey, remember this weird commercial? And you're like, no. Or like UK tabloid stuff. Like this starlet was seen with this person snogging okay. behind the pub. <laughs> Can't believe someone from Love Island cheated on someone from Love Island. <laughs> and Big Brother. Oh, Love Island. <laughs> Can't believe it. You hate to see that. Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's such a fun little show. Cause like, for instance, um, uh, one, one question, like we can, we can say probably like for, for instance, a, a trivia question would be, what was the name of the NBA basketball player that made, uh, a support, a big supporting role in 2020s slash 2019s uncut gems? Like that would be a question that would mostly be on the show. Because it's like, yeah. well, you have to know basketball, but you have to know. And then sometimes it doesn't right. just straight up questions. It's uh, spinoffs, including guest questions. Uh, Charles Dance <laughs> seems to always. is that That's his name, right? From Game of Thrones? Yes. Uh, he showed up. Yeah, he seems to always be on there. He's he's great. Remember what, a couple of years when, when Republican Chris showed up? I don't remember that. Remember hey guys, that. it's me, Chris Pratt. You see Gardens of the Galaxy. Anyway, in 2019, what celebrity was caught flashing the camera? Was he really on there? He was because he had to plug a couple movies. Wait. Yeah, uh, they ha- they usually have they usually have some pretty good guest uh, readers, but the best is that re- that uh, weatherman. Oh, the, the Channel Four news anchor. Something rains. I, it's one of those classic weatherman names where his last name is like a weather thing. So it's like Reigns or like his last name's like Storm or something. I, but he's awesome because he always reads something very awkward. And uh, he's like an old guy. So it's funny when old people Oh, that's say the Channel like, 4 News guy. So like th- there's a variety of questions. Okay, like, yeah. The Channel 4 News guy, his whole shtick is he reads news God, passages it's like it's song lyrics. So so one time it was like I kissed a girl and I liked it. So it's like sources say when I kissed the girl... I enjoyed it because of the taste of her cherry chapstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That guy's great. And it was just like, name the artist. <laughs> just like... It's the easiest. It's always the absolute easiest question. But it, uh... I don't know, Sources cry, say I went easier. down to the Old Town Road and... Yeah. How, how long did he ride? Uh, and then if it's not that, it is uh, a guy who just sits by a fireside and reads a book from someone's biography. Right. And he just reads it in the most sincerely dramatic fashion. Yeah, that's that's usually Charles Dance. Uh, that's your favorite guy. So I'm getting the round confused. That's Charles Dance, the goat. He he just sits there and he's like, he re- just dryly reads something and it always has like the word bitch in it or something. And everybody goes crazy <laughs> in the audience. 
uh, what was the, uh, I gotta check out, what was the, no, it was fun, because it was like, um, because those are usually just like, here's someone's book, or they couldn't do anything else, but what I like, besides that, besides here's read the guest, the find which, uh, which biography this person is, is, I, I think, which I, everyone will say is the iconic one, and that is a dramatic recreation by the Middlebrook Primary School kids. Awesome, too. So those are actually kids from that actual primary school, and they actually have to recreate something from history, and it's just like... It's like a first-grade play with costumes and a set. And they and they're really kind of good. <laughs> like it's kind of perfect. They're not, you know, it doesn't suck. It's 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 compelling in a way where you're like, oh, you know what? I think I'd I think I'd probably watch this play just for like the the gimmick of it. <laughs> and then they always seem to heckle <laughs> the kids. Two hours long. Yeah, it's awesome. And then Jimmy's like, we're making fun of kids. Come on, <laughs> you can't do that. No, they're shit, Jimmy. You keep bringing them on. I don't know why they're shit. <laughs> it is similar enough every year. Where maybe that's why it's so refreshing that it's only annual, like because because you sort of forget, and then you when you're watching it, it's all so familiar, but it's also new, and you're like, oh, you know what? I I can't wait till the kids show up, and then you're not like, oh, the kids again, you know? Oh, those damn kids, because they're only there for maybe like twice, <laughs> and then you get the thing. news guy twice, you get the bio maybe once, yeah. Uh, you get celebrity cameos like every round. It's always one or two celebrities, and it's always there to plug some movie or TV show. Well, and the cool thing about the rounds that I, I don't think we covered yet is instead of just doing question, answer, question, answer like most game shows, it's like five, four or five questions, and then they do all the answers. So it's sort of – I don't know why I prefer that so much, but I think that's like a much better – It's like, a, it, like you said, it's like a pub quiz type thing, but it's really – I think that's really cool. You know why? I, I think it's because it's easier for you to play along with because it's question one, question two, question three, and they still have time to quip because we're going right. to go into quips. Funny, funny thing, this is great. You know, when they tell jokes, it actually eases into the fun trivia, but uh, I think it's also a good play along. So all you need is like a little notepad and you can just write it down and play along. Yeah. Uh, one time I was really bored with friends and on a Skype call. I just streamed it, and I was trying to be a, a quiz team with one of my friends and another one. <laughs> uh, I got—I I will say it, even though I'm not British. Sorry, I, I, maybe the voice gave it away. Uh, I'm not British, but I—I uh, I actually did pretty well. I got like 20, 20 points. I think I would have lost by one point to Maya and uh, who, I can't remember the gentleman's name who she was with. But- the the decade one, I was off by one point. So, I, I still haven't watched the decade. Oh yeah, we didn't mention that the decade one came out yesterday. It came out yeah, like a couple of days ago, as of the time of this recording. And I will, I I hate I hate to go like, well, it's a gimmick episode, boop a doop a doo, but it was one of those ones that actually felt kind of sincere and fun, and they didn't really repeat the old questions that often. And the only one that I linked to Rocco was this cute little one with Pikachu showing up. <laughs> and it was just this adorable little sign, which is a guy in a Pikachu costume. And it was just like, everyone was like, oh, this is adorable. It's Pikachu. And then Jim's uh, like, Pikachu. he can't say any questions. He can only say, like, he can't talk. So I'm going to have to read the question here. 
Can you name the three of his friends? And it's, you know, the Squirtle, Charmander, uh, Bulbasaur. <laughs> so the, There's like a... Um, the, the, the best thing about the show, it, to me, um, and there's a lot of best things about the show, uh, is is just Richard and Noel, how every year that they're on, they fuck around until they reach this point where they're like, all right, we want to win now. And then they start getting all of them. Like if Richard and Noel just got, if, just tried the whole time instead of being funny, they would win every year. They don't give a shit. That's why I think it's the fun part because the casting is, I think here's why it's the casting. It's the, it's like, it's the rule of comedy. You have one team that should be the shoe-in because one is like a Chad show host because it's usually Jonathan Ross. So he knows everything celebrity and pop culture. He should be the shoe-in. But he gets paired with somebody yeah. who's supposed to be not that bright. Then you get right. two headliners that made impact that year in some form of television that's also funny. So they kind of seem like the average. And then you get Noel and Richard, and they are, I guess, they're they're supposed to be the, the jokesters. They're supposed to be the butt of the jokes. They do not really care if they right. win or not. They will bring in food. They will eat on during the game. Bananas. They will they're check their more phones. More transparent. The, 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 the line that I wrote down, I did take notes. I prepare for my podcast appearances, Jordan. Uh, but the best part was when they asked, uh, one of the questions was what, um, Kim Kardashian was, is training to be in 2019, which of course is lawyer. And, uh, Nolan Richard wrote plumber and Jimmy Carr said, you think she's a plumber? And then Noel just was laughing and he just went, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and it was so like transparently like, you do you really think I'm going to not write something funny for this question? <laughs> And then I then, and then it's subverted at the end of the quiz. Everyone was doing the joke answers, and then they were playing legit and got every answer right. Right? Yeah, they don't miss. That was the best part. Was then it was like the time it's like yeah that we don't know any of these answers. We don't know music. We don't know pop culture. And these were like real simple questions in in the world of 2019 uh, movies, like. It was oh, just, no, the the pop culture ones are always insanely easy, and I'm sure the news ones are too. If you live there, like it's it's like trying to figure this out. It's it's a nice puzzle piece, and what I like most about it is it it does a good job of of like making it so you can play along at home. You can make an event and play along uh, because it's once a year. It's a yearly event. Uh, do you have any more notes you have about this episode that you saw? Because <laughs> I was going to go straight into the spinoffs at this point. Well, I mean, my only other notes, I mean, we mostly touched on it, but the the, the Jimmy Carr, I, I think Jimmy Carr, too, is it, and it's it works for the show. It's not like a, a negative at all, but Jimmy Carr is sort of getting a lot more casual with this particular show. I don't, I can't speak for his other game oh. shows, but yeah, there's like, there's like parts where, um, there's like one part sort of towards the like first third or Richard starts literally just giving one away and telling everybody what the answer is. And then uh, Jimmy Carr is just like, we've, we've, this is the most we've ever given one away, whatever. Just say, just say the rest of it. And like, he just sort of gives up on the question, but it isn't like a frustrated thing. It's like, a, this is kind of funny. Like, it's just such a casual show at this point. That you know what you gave one away. As long as you don't do that anymore, that's fine. Like I feel like Jimmy Carr's becomes sort of the perfect host for the show's tone. If you actually see the progress of the show, you will be absolutely on the nose because 
the early ones, he was just this sarcastic asshole that was like, if you get a question wrong, he's going to be mean to you. Like, you don't know what this is. Can't believe it. And then, like, in the middle of one of the big fat quizzes, Rob Brydon just points out how annoying Jimmy Carr's laugh is and starts imitating oh, yeah. it. So yeah, he starts he doing that. In. He laughs He laughs on the inhale instead of the exhale. So he has a very strange laugh. But there's one where Rob Brydon points it out and then it makes Jimmy do it. And then everybody starts doing it to make fun of him. And then he laughs even more. It's like a full minute. It's very good. And then next year, he he got so humble, he did not do any more belittling <laughs> at all. And then this year, he kind of just became the, fuck it, I just, it's a quiz show. You know, I don't care so much if you win or not at this point. Whatever, fuck it. This year, it was a very, it was a very warm episode. It, it, this is just a show where you can tell that people are genuinely, truly having fun when they're on it. That's with the possible <laughs> exception of Noel, who I think is sort of sick of being on it. But even he, that's sort of his bit too. But it, it's a very, every, you could just tell that everybody's just enjoying their time, you know, a couple hours of the year. It's not it's something that they have to come back to every day or every week. It's not some huge, horrible thing that they have to constantly do for work. It's just a one time deal. Maybe they'll be on next year. Maybe they won't. And everybody sees it. And it's just like this fun show and i think that that really comes through and that's probably a big part of why i look forward to it every year it always comes around right around new year's so you know it's you're gonna be right before christmas or right Dude, around scouring youtube waiting for uh, somebody to post it oh i see i'm the i'm the hacker i'm the one that gets the vpn up play that day oh yeah get my Very popcorn smart. ready i get my i get my own little uh i have a little bow tie on with a little jimmy carr's face on it <laughs> you got your jimmy car tie oh jimmy another year in the books jimmy i love it when you say now it's the middlebrook primary school <laughs> now it's a say what you see what is this headline <laughs> which i don't think that was there one this year i'm trying to remember i don't i don't know because maybe because say what you see was the one where it's just like here's an image and as you read it out loud it says like a headline but what I like about it is it's just the nice play along. It's casual. And you're right. It's just this camaraderie. It's almost like a fun little, I wouldn't say comedy podcast kind of thing. Because I think like a podcast. Come on. But it's this, uh, no, it seems like everyone's <laughs> having fun. And you have like, the only one who's really there to win is Jonathan Ross. And everyone else is is really, the yeah. is just there just to have a good like two hours and basically hang out with their friends. It's like a panel show in that way. But the points really don't matter in this one. And what I like also is, which I forgot to mention, is in between rounds, like now that they do like a music round and a, and a sports round and a TV round, is then they break it up by having a guest show up and do a mini game. And it's about something that happened in their life, or what is the name of this? Um, that Nickelodeon show. Like, figure it out. Uh, why is this person here? And it's just like, oh, they were famous because they were the guy that threw the milkshake at Andy Nugo. This year, it was the, it was a little, he was probably 15, 14, 15. And he took second at the Fortnite World Cup and won, like, over a million dollars. And then bought his mom a house. And Jimmy Carr was so pleasantly surprised that that's what he spent the money on. That it was like the most nice I've ever seen Jimmy Carr. And it's like, because you know, it's like, okay, 15-year-old, boy, Fortnite, that's a video game. 
he's on the computer. You can go the easy dweeb joke about you live with your mother, but no, you actually bought your mom the house, so you can't really do the joke. Do you can't say you live with your mom to a, a child? <laughs> you get you live in your mom's basement. Oh, uh, that's where most people like you live. Oh, and you bought the house with your one winnings from the <laughs> Fortnite tournament. Oh, that's oh okay, that's a little humbling. Um, that's extremely noble. That's uh, that's hmm. <laughs> and then they also brought out uh, the statue of the lady. I've never done in my life. Also, this year they brought out that statue of oh, the yeah. woman who, like, if you work twenty years in an office, this is what your body will look like. Yeah, ridiculous. I but it, it, it's twenty nineteen. There was a lot of weird stuff. You could now what I do is, and I don't tell anyone this. Don't don't tell anyone. This is my secret. Is I like to uh, sometimes like look at the bullet notes, look at what's the weird stuff that I see on in the news, and I go, "Will this be on the Big Fat Quiz of the Year next year?" <laughs> oh yeah, see that's that's definitely that's definitely occurred to me before where where I'll like something will happen with like a tabloid sort of thing, and I'll be like, "Oh, I'm so glad I read this because I'll know it on Big Fat Quiz." It's definitely rare that I'll actually like that'll register in my head as something's happening, but it sort of only happens with tabloids. Because I read them so rarely, I'm always like, all right, well, at the very least, I'll have ammo for uh, when I'm playing this game by myself <laughs> on the New Year's Eve. Well, at the very least, uh, if you're doing tabloids, I mean, you might as well just turn to page six, am I right? Uh, but no, it's the, <laughs> it's also the, uh, basically what I say is anything that looks out of context and bizarre is most likely going to be on the show in some regard. Because it's always something weird or bizarre that happens. It's right. Like, it's never something straightforward, even though I was surprised that the term sapiosexual was not referenced once. Yeah, there's definitely little things that we see on Twitter where it's like, that probably could have been on there, but maybe it was a little too uh, like weird for them. Yeah, or it's like, what is a not sapiosexual? Like or Like, they couldn't really come <laughs> up with... Because the phrasing of the questions is something that also has to be in play, where it's, you have to have something that is an option where you can come up with a joke answer. You can't just say like who is the current prime minister of Britain. You you have to say something like two days before Boris Johnson was uh, campaigning for his interview, he was alleged to be hiding where, and then the answer is a refrigerator. Right, right. <laughs> and then the the joke answer is like the refrigerator from the TARDIS or or something dorky like that. Um, so when it comes to this interesting game show, yes, once a year is fine, but what if you have a little craving for it? Just, just a little bit. <laughs> well, never fear. Cause channel four heard your demand and does spin off episodes every so often. For instance, this year we did the big fat quiz of the decade because well, the 2010s happened and party rock is in the house tonight. <laughs> Uh, but also, they did ones with the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s, so it made sense to do the 2010s after you already did three of those. Uh, right. Then they did uh, one, my favorite one was the Big Fat Quiz of Everything, which was just like random trivia, where it was just like, here's the history round, here's the geography round. A couple times, because I've definitely seen one of those. It, was it the only one? Uh, it is, yeah, they only do three, they only did three of those. Uh, okay, I've seen definitely one of the everything. And then the uh, what I found was fascinating was they always tried to innovate the show in this regard, where it's 
because it's the big fat quiz of everything, we're going to have a lot of things in the background. We're going to have a little different. I actually, you know, I forgot to bring that up. The set design of the show. That that, that just, just got me on tangent there, Rock. <laughs> you, know, you mean like how fairly minimal it is? or It's minimal, but it's also chaotic because it's a Sergeant Pepper's style of here's all of the people standing around in little cardboard cutouts that look paper thin. But every oh, single yeah, person has a different like grouping and it's all different faces. And then in the, and it's always the same three like desk and different screens. One's a red, one's a green. And then what's the purple and typically Nolan and uh, uh, Richard end up in the purple position. Cause that's right closest to Jimmy. Yeah. So they can maybe assault him if they think it'll be funny. They would. And you know what? I think they have. <laughs> Do. <laughs> They've uh, certainly thrown things at him before. At this point, like I, I think the show is is supposed to be about the surprise. Now it's not supposed to be, uh, re- really about anything else. Um, so, so w- what I want to know, Rocco, is is simply put, like, if you couldn't do a big fat quiz of the year, what would you be like? One of your like fantasy kind of groups would it be like? Uh, all uh, uh, internet stuff, all, all literature, all movies, or do you, you mean for like questions and stuff? Like, yeah, if like, I did we a whole on spinoff one? of one genre. I think if they did a big fat quiz of movies, it would be fun, just because that's what I would. That's what I know. But I think the funniest would probably just be like the big fat quiz of like weird news stories, whatever they would call that, because those the are always week. the best. The those big fat quiz the of the one. week. But they can't do like two hours of just yeah. one week of stuff, and that would be overkill. Week, I couldn't watch it every week. But what like, just week? like the, I feel like the weird news news stories are always the best uh, for jokes and, every and, year. And when you have like a, when you only have like thirty five questions or so to write per year, like you can get all the weird news stories. So I think yeah, yeah, with yeah. movies, I was just thinking that because I, I was trying to figure out like what are spinoffs have they not done? They haven't done an all movies episode. And it's like break it up by different genres, horror, comedy, drama. Uh, they could easily do that with television for the same genre, music for the same reason. This is the rock round. This is the rap round. I guess they love grime, so grime. Um, the grime round? That's a genre that they love. It's called grime. The dubstep round, yeah. The dubstep round. Here, here's Marshmallow to read off a question. Yeah. Uh, so, so... I, now that we're we're getting into the real nitty gritty of the show, because yes, we are talking about how fun it is, and it's charming and funny, and it's all about year, and it's a recap show, and it's mostly f- played for laughs. It's not really played for price, although the winner does get a nice trophy. Oh, it's lovely. It, it's just a trophy with streamers. Um, it's a lovely trophy. It's 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 a fine it's a fine trophy. If it's a tie, they split the trophy. <laughs> uh literally here is where i, I want to get into the the because it's the nitty-gritty part because yes we're talking genre you know one of the most important things i always say is should the show be brought here to the united states and i think no really you don't think like this could be working as an nbc think... new year's special just think about no, it colin jost and michael che make... in one of the podiums exactly hosted by fucking jimmy fallon or james corden which is it would be corny here it would just be corny there's no way around that 
If it and was it like, be... that's, I, I think that's exactly where I was going to go with like, if this was to be, I wouldn't, I would want it. Don't get me wrong. I would want a big fat quiz of American stuff, but it's like, you need to have the American Jimmy Carr. And frankly, I can't think of the American Jimmy Carr off the top of my head. It's not even me. It's not. Yeah. Uh, Cause it has to be someone who's kind of like an asshole, <laughs> but he's a comedian, but funny. And isn't I mean, Ricky I mean, Gervais. I mean, people that could maybe do it, but they're not good enough at like carrying a show you need someone who's good at carrying the show you need to have i the thing is i'm pretty sure they tried to pitch it for nbc that's the weird thing here i almost led to believe that like some recess in my mind nbc had a pitch for a big fat quiz of the year it was that or abc and i where was it cbs it's one of the three networks not fox and it was just a two-hour uh, show and I think they just pulled the plug like two months into the announcement because oh we have to rush this get casting and no one wants to do this uh, I think I don't know I'm much happier when there's American guests on their quiz when you see Christian Shaw on and just not know what the fuck's going on yeah she was great and I think Rob Delaney I wasn't Chelsea Peretti or something on? Yeah, Chelsea Peretti was on, I think, last year's version, and I love. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, no, it's always fun to see. Uh, and then, like, except for like maybe like one year when, oh yeah, Catherine Ryan. No one really knows Catherine Ryan. She's Canadian, but I, I think I would say she is the of the American descent because she doesn't have the accent, and she is from here. Right. And it's always fun there. News. I, I think Rob Del- no, you know what thing what happened was Rob Delaney did the 2016 version because they couldn't get uh Yeah, I think I'm yeah, okay, yeah, Rob Delaney was was with Richard that time. It wasn't with Noel. Yeah, they didn't have Noel, yeah. Whoa. Uh that was I could not I, I just that was so I think like when if you're gonna do an American version of the show, it, it's going to be either very watered down or very, very commercialized. Like, if right. this was ABC, like, I don't know, you want to go NBC, ABC, or CBS? Like, I, which one of those three do you want to start with? The only way that they could do it, the only way that they could do it is if, like, IFC did it, and, like, Aukerman hosted, or oh, somebody like that, fuck, maybe Jimmy yes. Pardo. If I they could... did, like, a, if they did, like, a comedy bang-bang type, type panel of, like, people that, but then it would be so insular and it would just be for like a, such a specific group. But that would be the only way to do it is if it was like alt comedy people like, like and can... not <laughs> Jimmy Fallon. You can't because well, network would be Jimmy Fallon and it's here is from the new NBC show. Here's so and so. Hey, what is uh, Hoda and Kathy Lee saying on this uh, question? Uh, if it was like I could see that if or but then it's like then you have like a Paul F. Tompkins though as one of the panelists then right like as we Paul F. Tompkins that would be perfect uh you probably (laughs) who else you have to grab in there I don't know if you can get James Adomian because I think he'd be better off as an impressionist but Uh, when Chris Hardwick was hosting at midnight because I feel like they totally could have yeah, let's get Comedy Chris Central. Hardwick back. Let's let's uncancel Big Chris. Hashtag uncancel yeah. Chris. Cancel Chris Hardwick for Big Fat Quiz of the Year American version. Hey everyone, we're gonna Big Fat Quiz of the Year. We're gonna have a lot of fun. It's gonna be lots of great. Anyway, so on this, uh, so here's here's a question from Westlake Elementary School. Here, what are these kids uh, trying to recreate? It'll be fun. <laughs> oh, 
Man, oh, man, I want you to know, tell me, you know, it was a big year for movies. Uh, so if you could tell me here, uh, who thought, who was the person that died? Name any character that died in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> PTSD for something that never happened. I'm having like, I'm having like Vietnam flashbacks about a Chris Hardwick hosted big fat quiz show that never doesn't even exist. I think you're gaslighting me, Jordan. <laughs> Can't believe it. You know, we're gonna have a lot of fun here. Uh, you know what I like is we're gonna we're gonna have Her George Decay here. George. <laughs> I'm just wandering through my fucking living room with my ears ringing, with my hands <laughs> on my ears. No. What's wrong, Rocco? You know you're you look a little George. crazy right now. Maybe we should drink some water right now. Have a sit down, and let's talk yeah, about our... television shows. The Walking Dead is one of the best. Let's bring on our other guest. Uh. <laughs> fuck what uh sean spicer <laughs> sean spicer here stressed as the easter bunny. yes now totally you can tell me i'm telling you name any song he danced to on dancing with the star oh jesus who would be your happen. dream that's exactly what's gonna happen i i think you're right no, here I'm telling you that's gonna happen. i think you're right I mean, it's gonna that's be hard right it's not gonna be ackerman i think ackerman was going to be the richard iowati position the i don't give a fuck he'll be the agent of Maybe. chaos on the show he's got host energy or uh <laughs> You get or, some or, of those bigger names like too. Like can, you could have get Tim Robinson. A, get Tim on. The 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 Richard and Noel would be Galifianakis and uh, somebody else. <laughs> Just get Weiger and Mitch. <laughs> Just get the Doughboys. That would, see, that would be that would be fucking perfect. Honestly, like there. You asked the question if I want an American Big Fat Quiz. If I got to design it, of course. <laughs> if I got to have any input whatsoever, absolutely. If you but get if to be I a showrunner. <laughs> Not even just a showrunner, just like have input. Because if I have to watch fucking NBC do a big fat quiz of the year, I will not be tuning in. I won't oh, even. It's Jane Lynch even hosting, be like, and no, it'll be Seth Meyers. <laughs> it'll be Seth Meyers hosting it. Now I think about it, if there was NBC, right? Because he's right. the snarky guy who does the news bits on this on this on the late night. You're probably right. Fuck. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, maybe we should just stick with the IFC version. <laughs> Have his complete yeah, agent of chaos. Let's just stick. With, and also, like, Channel 4. Channel 4 is kind of a weird channel for them, too, right? Channel 4 is technically considered, like, a network channel because BBC is, like, licensed because it's publicly owned company, like a PBS, and you pay for, for it every year. Right, right. Uh, but Channel 4 is kind of like a network channel. Like, it's no different than the ABC or Fox. And Usually, that's the one that usually has the more edgier kind of shows uh, in the UK. Content-wise, Channel 4 is kind of like IFC, right? It, it, I would say it, at one point, it was a mix between like Fox, MTV, IFC, and then like Spike. Okay. Like we're talking world's sexiest babes on vacation. <laughs> or the first year Spike TV. Yeah, the uh, uh, like the uh, the bonsai was, I believe, of bonsai. Remember bonsai that weird Chinese, uh, the weird Japanese predict the outcome kind of thing. That was a Channel Four show originally. When that guy just screamed bonsai. Yeah, the guy who screamed bonsai, and there was Mister Shake Hands Man and Lady One Question. I I remember that. Yeah, I did watch a lot of Spike TV because it just felt like something I was supposed to be watching when I was like eleven. Well, yeah, obviously, because I mean, like, we were just dudes watching fun shows. We want to watch. MXC and uh, Stripperella yeah, and Joe Schmo. MXC, MXC is fucking awesome. Big fan of Trucks. Just a show called Trucks. Uh, <laughs> it's like uh, dudes. Dude, yeah, mansers. How many farts? Um, 
would it take to kill a man? Yeah, no, I think like I think we're on to something. It's it has to be IFC. It's gonna have to be an IFC uh It truly has to be like podcast people. It has to, to be to, podcast, to me- earwolf, stitcher, uh buzzcast network owned companies. Yeah. I'm not saying you could, you could do you could do a big fat quiz of the year with just bug me. I don't have to. I can't book two hours for BugCon <laughs> to do this. <laughs> Version. Although now that I think about it, that it, it it does kind of remind me of Are You the Knowledge Lord in some regards too. That's true. Are You the Knowledge Lord is great because that is that is a Bazzizio property. Uh, it is an online thing, and it is with three <laughs> comedians trying to answer questions, one of them being Jack Allison. And he, let's just say, I don't think, I think, you know what? I think that should be it. I figured it out. We should do the IFC version, but one of the teams has to be Michael Che and Jack Allison together. <laughs> that would be a good team. Because then you get that, you get Chris Hardwick. Chris uh, Hardwick. <laughs> Maybe not Chris Hardwick. I think you're right with Scott Ackerman. I think Ackerman has the perfect hosting presence. He has the. He's clearly like a great American personality to do it. Uh, American Jimmy Carr. And I was like, Scott Ackerman's kind of like the dry. He's kind of a dick on purpose as a bit. Maybe sometimes actually a dick, but he seems like very funny. He's a funny guy. I mean, obviously, and uh, I think he might be the might be the way to go. That might be a way to go with this. Um, I mean, like maybe Reggie Watts as as one of the people. Just because I think Reggie's also very funny. Do, do they not have... Well, I guess it's not a variety show or a late night show, so that makes no sense. But it seems kind of weird to me for some reason that they don't have a live band at Big Fat Quiz. Well, what kind of music like, do you want them to play on there? It's just kind of just that... Yeah, yeah. Have Paul Schaefer get in there and do get it. Paul Sch- I will, you know what? I like that idea. Get Paul Schaefer on to play a piano version of a, of a Top 40 <laughs> song. What song is Paul Schaefer playing that was a huge hit this year? Why is Paul Schaefer on the show? That could be a question. <laughs> just, just, no, just why? Just, just, that's it. Your question is why? <laughs> oh, well, I didn't think about that. Um, let me think. Why? 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 Uh, no fielding just at home three days later, truly pondering this question. It's broken his brain. I think I think this is actually where we should like wind down the show is just talking about like panelist ideas here. I think this is it. I think we're just gonna make the whole this whole rest of the episode instead of just like you obviously have to keep it the same format of like different rounds, different genres. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. That's why it would be so easy. It's like fucking guaranteed money. Because then you get like Megan Rapinoe because of the U.S. Women's Soccer Team, or you get a uh, yeah yeah. yeah. Look, there's your Kawhi Leonard cameo. You can get a Kawhi well, Leonard cameo. Uh, you can yeah, get... no, it, 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 it like writes itself. That's why I, I really can't believe they haven't done it yet and actually gone through with it. I'm glad they haven't because, like I said, the inevitable uh, is not something I would be interested in. But, yeah. I who, think. We'll, who, we'll, let me we'll, ask you this. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're, you're going to ask your question because I think I – because originally when I asked the question, you were like, no, Jesus Christ, no, no, fuck, no, no. <laughs> And then it's like I, I warmed up to it a little. I gotta warm it up. Like, don't think just network. I mean, network would immediately be like this corny ass NBC Universal product placement to see Jurassic World two in theaters. But if you get Too the podcast written. people, if you get if you get like the right kind of guys, I think it'll work. Uh, so, sure. so, what's your question? It's be, who would be your uh, dream panelist on the show that already exists? 
be it British or American, just somebody that you think would be great as a panelist on Big Fat Quiz of the Year. All right, well, James Corn, I believe, was already on the show once, so I can't pick him. Plus, I, I don't <laughs> think he does well. I don't think people will like him. Um, so we let's see here. Uh, I don't think Sandy Toffsvig was there. I'm going to go first British people first because I think that would uh, – I would probably also go Greg Davies from Taskmaster. I think he's very funny and probably – be a great person charlie brooker already did it i would love to see him return to that um as far as americans uh we already had christian shawl on i you know like hmm you, you know maybe uh you know it'd be great you'll be great you get john benjamin really good you get john benjamin to be a panelist on the british version not the american uh because i think he would have that same level of i don't know what's going on uh yeah it also follows the Christian Shaw connection. Uh, ben Schwartz, because he's Sonic the Hedgehog now. You can probably get him. Um, Thomas Middleditch would be good, probably. Middleditch. I was going to say Sean, Sean Clements, I think. He's uh, so quick. <laughs> Paul Rust. Amazing. Get Paul Rust to do anything. Actually, just get Paul Rust to host. That would be also funny. Just get... <laughs> he could do it Netflix. You know what? That would maybe be. That would maybe be the way to go. Is uh, Netflix Big Fat Quiz of the Year? Oh, Paul Rust as the host, or do you just want him as a panelist, just being the awkward nerdy oh, guy just who's just quippy going on love? But I'm just saying, like, because it's only a one-time thing, so maybe that's why a network wouldn't have really a reason to do it because it's not like this thing that they can sort of rely on. But with Netflix, or I mean, any of these. It would work services. for Netflix, and they can even get Jimmy Carr yeah, to yeah. do that version too, because he does the fix on Netflix, which is also okay, a yeah. panel game show. Uh, is that worth watching? Yeah, he he has a he has his own panel game show on Netflix called The Fix. Uh, do you like it? I I I think it's okay. It basically okay. is just like here's a big problem. How are you going to solve it? And it's three a team of three comedians and a team of three comedians, and one is a. Uh, One's typically the D.L. Hewley. And, okay. And it's just like, okay, well, I don't think he really understands panel game shows that well. Because <laughs> he's trying to sell you on bullshit, and it's supposed to be played for laughs. Okay. But yeah, but Jimmy Carr is still Jimmy Carr, and it's still funny. But then again, I also like him in 8 out of 10 Cats does Countdown. When do the cats down, as they were. Uh, imagine Jimmy Carr as the Big Fat Quiz host in a spelling game and a math-based game. <laughs> With comedians Man. messing up, it's great. Uh, so I think if I was going to do American version, I think I think I would go in with the like Netflix version too. But I think it's going to be tough to figure out like what kind of panelist to get on that version because I think I would rather have it be like a comedy bang bang edition. Yeah, I kind of I definitely think that. I think they could do it. I just there the one question I can. It's it's just also you just gotta just try and Americanize the questions just slightly, but that's just flip up the politics and instead of cricket and football, it's football and baseball cricket. or basketball. <laughs> instead of cricket and football, it's football and cricket. Yeah, it's just football and cricket. Crickets. <laughs> Jimmy Cricket. Disney Plus was a popular streaming channel this year. Uh, and actually uh, meme known mass- as Baby Yoda, but what is his character actually called? Oh, write it down. The child. You got it right. You got the point. You got the point. Thank you. You get the points. See, was, you get uh, the points. Or as Chris Harder would say, points. Don't don't do that to me. Yeah, you got the points. 
And now I'm going to wipe, wipe, wipe. Um, I, <laughs> this is the therapy session for <laughs> jaded Chris Hardwick fans. Uh, so I, before we, 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 we end, end the show here, before we, uh, we sign this off, um, we have one final question, Rocco. Are you ready? Oh, yes. All right, dim the lights. This is your final question. It's the big fat quiz of 2020. Who would you have be your teammate? Oof, good question. Because I want to win. I'm too competitive to be like, all right, this would be funny. But maybe you want to. So, maybe you want to be competitive and have somebody funny, so that way you can be the the, the one that actually answers and they tell the jokes. That's true, but I'm too competitive to even risk losing. So I'd have to pick somebody who's funny and would also be able to help me. And uh, gut, my gut instinct is to say, because I want to pick somebody that's like a little bit notable too. I don't want to just like pick one of my friends. You can pick anybody, by the way. You can go straight up. And we'll, 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 we will book uh, uh, the ghost of George Carlin if we have to. But uh, I don't think there'll be I any mean, help. He's a ghost. I would pick Bugmane. You would pick Bugmane? Bugmane on my team. You would pick Bugmane. Mr. Skittleskull himself, Bugmane. I, because, number one, Bugmane's very funny. Number two, Bugmane knows pop culture inside and out. It would spread the gospel of the bug across all of the UK. I mean, you, and I'm sure we'd win. I'm sure we'd win. I would pick Bugmane. I'm actually firm in this answer. You are. You're locking it in. You're locking in Bugmane right now. You are locking in. I'm locking in Bugmane. I'm locking in Bugmane. Jordan. Final answer. All right. Well, I'm. hmm. See, that is incorrect. (laughs) I'm not gonna say you're incorrect here, but there is a very funny comedian who also knows the popular culture, or should I say, the popular the culture. You could have picked Craig Healy. You should have picked Craig Healy, uh, I think. That should have been your choice. I'm sorry. <laughs> or but, different but, choice. But why did too, you pick Jack? Doesn't he have like Jack AM? He does like news all the time. Jack was the first person that came to my mind. And I think Jack would be a very, very good uh, partner to have on that show. But Jack doesn't do the third important job of spreading the gospel of the bug. Oh, see, your important part is spreading the the cult, spreading the bug cult. That's the most important thing. Yeah, the most important thing is sort of getting the word out there. It is overseas. 2020. It is the year of the bug. Uh, I'm not saying I'm the bug Judas, but I mean, I know someone who might be. If you're the bug Judas and I'm appearing on this show, I never forgive myself. I mean, it would be fun. It would be a great prank, though. That would just That would just be the funniest... You would just be like, man, I trusted this uh, game show nerd. I, I just want to be a good friend of him. And then he just betrays the bug like that. But no, really, we love the bug. We love Bugmane over at Bugmane TV. Gotta love the bug. You gotta love the bug. You uh, gotta. Also, he's very you funny. <laughs> I think, I, but the thing is, though, like, if you see, if, I think you're right with the Bugmane and the pop culture questions because it's not so much just like, the overall laying of pop culture. It's not It's not going to be like a Donald Trump question. It's always something weird. It's like a glistening Maxwell doing the shot at the In-N-Out Burger. That's a Bugman kind of knowledge question. That's not really modern a pop culture. partner, too. And also checks all three boxes. He is someone that's seen and Star Wars. And you reconsider. Uncle Franklin. Franklin. The little unk, not the big unk. Little unk. Little unk. Ardo. And then you can bring some rain total body fuel on, drink it up, get the, uh, get I, the upper I, hand. I, I would certainly have to keep it in the bug family after all they've done for me. I would certainly have to keep it in the bug family. I mean, I, I, mean, I know what I would pick, but I, I mean... I know, pick- if, I was on, if I was on any other game show, I would bring you and we'd win for sure. Yeah, I'm not the hosting. You know? I'm not hosting here. I, I, I will <laughs> probably end up on uh, 
<laughs> what was another British game I could think off the top of my head that would be funny? Mastermind. I'll be on Mastermind. I'll sit in a chair. <laughs> or put me on Taskmaster. I'll do the Taskmaster show. I'll just do silly bits. Um, Or, or ca- Countdown. Hey, casting producers, put me on Countdown. I can think of five-letter words. Um, no, I think that works. So because you got the answer correct with the bug main, you can plug anything you want. I have no choice but to plug my book, which we already plugged at the top of the show. But uh, yeah, it's it's available on Kindle and paperback, uh, How to Write a Book and Make at Least $600. Uh, I'm writing another one. It'll be out in June. Hopefully, we can figure out making pre-orders available. But I uh, want to get a little more of it done first before I make that promise. But yeah, follow me at 600 bucks on Twitter, and that's it. That's that's me. Rocco, thank you so much for stopping by and being today's big winner. Jordan, thanks a lot for having me and uh, being patient and waiting for this episode of Big Fat Quiz of the Year to come out for, well, I don't know, about six months. <laughs> I mean, I was excited. I love it. It's the yearly tradition. <laughs> hey, man, if you if you keep doing it next year, I'll, I'll be your Big Fat Quiz of the Year guy for sure. No problem. Thank you so much, Rocco, for once again stopping by here. The book is, once again, How to Write a Book and Make at Least $600. It's one of my favorite books that have come out last year. I think you guys might actually enjoy it. It's also available on Kindle if you do not like uh, paper for some reason. And, and I know some of you don't like paper, so if you wanted to make a book, there don't worry, there's a Kindle version as well. I love Big Fat Quiz of the Year, and I had a great time trying to just dissect it with Rocco, trying to see what would an American version be like, all of that great stuff. But it kind of just got me thinking here about like comedy in general, especially that of the way we handle our new system in America is kind of a little different than that in Britain because cause we kind of already do the monologues of the day and already do the Trump jokes that... Something like this, I don't know if it really can, now that we think about it. Um, but if you really want to know, like, some, some quick fun facts, the person with the most appearances on Big Fat Quiz of anything, including the year or when to do a spinoff, was Jonathan Ross with 18 appearances. Uh, the second most appearances is Richard Iowati with 15, and then David Mitchell and Noel Fielding are tied with 13. Uh, Claudia Winkleman has actually appeared more on the Big Fat Quiz of the Year than Rob Brydon, with nine appearances versus Brydon's six. This is some trivia for you folks. Useless information. And because 2020 just started, pay close attention to the world around you, because you never know what could be a trivia question in the Big Fat Quiz of the Year 2020. And now it's time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This is the Pricing Game Spotlight. Super Saver! Premiere date, May 10th, 1989. 7273D! Finale date, March 11th, 1996. In Super Saver, contestants tried to be a Super Saver simply by saving at least $1 on four purchases. 
Here's how the game works. The contestant was shown six grocery items arranged in a circle in the game display. Each item had a false price attached. Five of them were marked below their actual retail price, which can be considered to be bargain prices, while the sixth item was marked above its actual retail price. To win a large prize, the contestant had to select four items whose marked prices totaled at least a dollar less than the total of their actual prices, thus saving a dollar or more. The player selected four items one at a time. As each item was chosen, its actual price was revealed, and the amount saved was added to a bank on a central screen. If the contestant chose one item marked above its actual price, that difference was taken away from his or her savings. The contestant had to use all four selections regardless of whether or not they made to $1 fin the first three picks. Unlike similar games like Avoid This Item, like Shopping Spree, Danger Price, or Credit Card, Picking the marked up item did not definitely result in a loss. Bob would famously explain that it is still mathematically possible to win. If the contestant had picked it but continued to pick the items that saved the most money, the game could still be won. However, this characteristic of the game also led to its retirement. When the game debuted on May 10th, 1989, it wasn't won right away, but it was first won during Season 18. The bell sounds significantly how much money is saved by how much was added to the bank, but the buzzer only sounds by how much money was lost from the bank. Most amount of times this game was played in any season was 30. Malfunctions. Uh, Super Saver was perhaps well known for its famous malfunctions. The Trilons didn't turn on the location. The game had unusual white boxes with slanted bottoms at the start of the game, and the K in the word bank often remained at the end of the game, resulting in win and lose becoming wink and losk. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you losk. <laughs> that sucks. Retirement. Super Savers retired due to an incident during one of the last playings of the game. Host Bob Barker forgot to specify to the contestant that the game could still be won after choosing a marked up item. The contestant complained that Bob's failure to disclose this rule resulted her in losing the game. The show's staff, after a consultation with standards and practices, decided to award her the prize. Having concluded it was too easy to miss critical details, Bob, fearful such a mistake could happen again, had the game retired. The retirement had nothing to do with the mechanical problems, although several sources do state so. Bob also explained the rules incorrectly on at least two other occasions, May 1st, 1992, and May 13th, 1995. However, both playings resulted in wins. I hate this game so much. I hate this game. This is one of the worst pricing games. This is the worst pricing game. Whenever I see it on the prices right, I find this to be the most boring pricing game. Of all the grocery items you have, this is the one where it's supposed to be, which one's the biggest savings? And you're supposed to get a I don't like that. It's such a complex little game, and it's and yes, I understand it's a puzzly kind of thing, like pay the rent. But it's just to me, it's just not an interesting game. And the less we speak of it, the better. I understand people enjoy it because of its blue and red text and its little fun floral Ferris wheel kind of a thing in the turntable. But to me, no, I don't need this. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see it. And. You know, it could be better if it was like, I don't know, something else. Next time on The Price is Right, make your move. Love I'm Jenna Dewan, and I want to help people dance their way into each other's hearts. Because if there's one thing I know for sure, it's that you can find love on the dance floor. It's like something that happens in a movie. I'll take one person looking for love. Zoom and pair them with two potential matches. 
They'll dance with one date and then perform a completely different routine with another. Craziest thing I've ever watched. They're not dancers, just everyday people. What is your experience with dancing? None. Looking for love. My heart says, heck yeah. <laughs> then there's the tough part. Who will they choose to see again? Love. I was made for me and you. Will it be love at first dance? I've had a very busy week, but I still decided to take time out of my hands to watch this brand new Fox show called Flirty Dancing. Uh, it's a game show, and, you know, I have to always say that it's a game show. If you really think about it, it, it it's a, I mean, it's like a dating game kind of game show. It's a pick your favorite of the two, but I, I would say it's, it's loosely a game show. Uh, if you've never seen the show before, here's how it works. Uh, there is one, there's one single who's going to be on two dates instead of dating, like going to a dinner and a movie and all the other stuff, like a blind date kind of show. This is a show where they only get to do one thing and one thing only. And that's have a dance routine, uh, like a seven to eight minute dance routine. Now the, the single who gets to make the choice has to do both routines and gets a choreographer and is taught the different steps with a song in play. The singles who are fighting to win the person over also get the same song and a different source. You get to see some backstories about who these people are, uh, why they agree to the show, what does music mean to them, what does dancing mean to them, and then they have a routine. And these routines, as it turns out, are actually pretty well. Sometimes when it's a bit sloppy, uh, they don't really make like a fuss over it. The only time you ever really see some sort of like conflict on a show like Flirty Dancing is really just like, I don't like the song, I'm uncomfortable doing this, or it's a song, or it's something where it's if the person just did not really feel like they gelled during the dance. Now, seeing the first episode, really rarely did that happen in the show. It really was just almost like a rinse repeat of all three where it's here's a dancer here's the first dancer then they do a dance and it's a great dance of right away i should just say this right now uh this does not feel like a cheap show even though it when i'm telling you like it's just people doing a dance routine and that's it whoever is the set designer of the show, i know it's not on a it's not filmed in a studio there is like a location scout whoever's the location scout whoever's the set designer uh, for a lot of these locations, whoever's the cinematographer, I think they're using a red cam for this show because there's some super slow-mos, there's some steady cam work, and it comes across as this like cinematic moment when you see these dances. Almost like every dance routine that you see is that Beauty and the Beast dance. And it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter like who's the suitors. And what I love about the show is... Because it's by it's on Fox. This is the, on the Fox Network. Is the casting call of this? When of a show called Flirty Dancing, my preconceived notion was let's just get twenty-something-year-olds that are horny and just have it be like breakdancing kind of shit or floss dancing, annoying stuff, or them bumbling over doing uh, like some sort of fake version of of salsa. And instead, you get to see some modern dancing mixed with some classic dancing 
mixed with like getting to know the personality based on body language, based on eye contact, and it kind of made for a fascinating show. I actually was surprised watching this. I really went in thinking, oh God, this is going to be a bad show. This is going to suck. This is just a trashy show that's going to have like a, that just made on the cheap end because Fox needs something in January. And instead, it really did change my perspective on what a dancing show could be. I've seen the original uh, Channel 4 version of Flirty Dancing, and it got that some of that similar, it didn't have the cinematography aspect of the Fox version. It kind of felt more cheap. It kind of felt more like, here's a dude with like a handy cam, and they're going to dance, but there's like four people with handy cams out in the middle of the street as they dance. This one at least felt like movie quality kind of dancing. And the music choices were great. You get to, and I think the music they picked, whoever was like the music does like clearance person. I think they tried to work with somebody to to say like what best describes the personality of these people. Why did they pick the song? Uh, and, and have this loose kind of like here's the connection of why you two would enjoy this song. Whoever, because that's what I thought was really interesting is whoever chose the songs were like there's all this behind the scenes work that I don't think a lot of people really caught on with what amounts to here's a dance thing like yeah there's a choreographer and this and the choreography is good whoever is this is some great choreography this is some old school kind of dancing kind of thing as well this is something that kind of can appeal to multiple people but uh, I mean, I also, by the way, I should also say this. I also really actually enjoy uh, Jenna. Uh, Jenna is like a fantastic host to this. I mean, perfect casting with, with Jenna. If you don't know who uh, Jenna Dewan is, uh, she was a dancer and actress. Uh, she was a dancer for Jan Jackson, uh, was in Step Up movies, all sorts of stuff. So it was like a, per it was kind of one of those like, yeah, it's like a, it's a casting gimmick, but it's a casting gimmick that actually works. Because this is a, a person who has a great personality, by the way, and she kind of takes the show as her own while also making sure that not only is the single, I'm, I'm just calling it the single, the, one, the single who has to do both routines is the star of this like one act, but so are both of the suitors as well. So even if the suitor kind of loses and gets a little bummed out when they don't get chosen, for the next dance, get, get it? You have to have the, the next dance and they get to have the date. That's the nice part. At the end, they get to have the date. Um, it's it's a feel good moment. It it kind of feels like a, a a quicker version of the Bachelor or Bachelorette, where you get to see a happy ending for one of these people, and then you're like, oh, that's great, and then we move on to the next one. They don't really do a recap like love connection or anything, and it's a dating show, so most likely they would just be like, oh, they're friends on Facebook, and that's it. But the casting also is great because. I thought it was 20-something-year-olds. I said this. There was 20, I thought there was going to be 20-something-year-olds, horny dancing. And instead, they really went all ages, all races, all genders. They're doing same sex. They're doing over 40-year-olds. They're doing senior citizens. And it's like, whoa, for a show that I thought was only going to be maybe like late 20s, early 30s, because that's when we all have that give-up period in dating. This show really did change my perspective on a lot of things. Now, is it a good dating show? I don't fucking know. I would say this isn't really a dating show at all, even though they're trying to push a dating aspect 
with it because can love blossom on the dance floor uh is kind of their whole uh, gimmick here because of everything that's going on but that's like going well can love bloom on a battlefield so let's just have two single strangers in a in a like uh, into a like the in, and we ship them off to the middle east yeah i know it's a grim joke in the middle of trying times but to me that that's just how it feels like it's like you can't really do love in random occasions i don't think that's really the thing that people come to see now i think they like the idea of a stranger doing a dance with a stranger and this could lead into something i think audiences would enjoy it but what i think people would really enjoy if they see flirty dancing is just the dancing, the choreography, the music, the cinematography of a sh- I rarely say that. The cinematography in the show is great. This like HD film quality, slow-mo, pan and scan, brilliant stuff. It is it is something that's like also fun. And maybe I just saw it at a at a weird time, but it was like I'm just sick of like celebrity shows. I don't want to see another celebrity thing. Fallon just just d- destroyed it. Ellen makes me like just dist- I don't want to see anything with celebrity at this point. I like the Masked Singer. I enjoy that show, but I just want something with cel- I just want civilians. I want something where I, it's just random it random people that I know off the street. And Fox did that. Fox actually made a show that I kind of enjoy. I enjoy looking at it. I enjoy f- looking at the civilians doing a dance routine. Yes, they get to screw up during with the choreography with the choreographer. But ultimately, when they do that dance sequence, they kind of look like they know their stuff. And it looks like they're all professional dancers. And it, it's like a feel-good moment there. And... I like that. I think that's something that it was like, oh man, that was actually this is actually another win for Fox in my mind. This is another one of those Fox picked another great game show to put on there. I thought I was I was wrong. Folks, I was wrong. This is a good show. Flirty dancing. Maybe it's just the name Flirty Dancing that just rubs me the wrong way. But this was just a great show and i do recommend you watching it if it's something of your interest i'm not going to say go out and about to see it but this is something where it's like maybe you can watch one episode and then feel good and be done with it because for others maybe this is just not your cup of tea uh so it's up to you it's 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 good uh my only real complaints with the with the show itself is well they still leave heavily into like heartbreak and they're but even though they're trying to do sad they're trying to make it feel good when if they don't get picked and they're really leaning into like a bachelor at kind of scenario with the introductions i find because of a lot of times new roman italicized kind of font work but this does feel like a unique show this feels like a win for Fox, and I, I'm i not going to go out of my way to see the next episode, but if it ever comes back on or it's kind of like, you know, I have nothing better to do with my time right now, I'm going to watch Flirty Dancing because this is a show where it really is just like, this is a kind of show where I can imagine people out there getting a bag of popcorn, 
microwaving it up, sitting on the couch, eating it, and enjoying themselves watching. Because that is the kind of show I think this is. This is a feel-good, fun show. I do recommend it. My letter grade is a solid B. I'm only going with solid B because, to me, I think this is not really going to be a mass interest kind of show. Uh, some of the scenes, I didn't really... Some nitpicky kind of stuff along the way. But I... I enjoyed it. I liked it, and I do recommend, hey, go check out Flirty Dancing. It's a cute show. And that's about all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Game Shows, I Suppose. You can see us on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Play. We're anywhere. You can follow it on jordanhaas.com slash podcast. If you want to say hi to me, I'm on Twitter at jordhaas, J-O-R-D-H-A. And you can always see me on Discord or follow me on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Jordan Haas, J-O-R-D-N-H-A-S-S. And I hope you have a lot of fun. Let me know what kind of game shows you want me to talk about in future installments. Until next time, we'll be talking about another great game show, I suppose. Good night. Big smooch. Mwah!